All right, hey, we're gonna be in Third John this morning. Um, Third John is actually the shortest book in the New Testament. Um, so we are gonna finish another book of the Bible in one Sunday morning. We're on a roll right now, guys. Just checking books off off our list left and right here. Um, man, just a little bit of uh, Third John. Uh, kind of context as before we jump into it, much unlike our letter to Second John, or in Second John, uh, where John was really, he really didn't use anybody's names. He he was he called himself the elder. He still refers to himself in the as the elder in this one, but um, he he was writing to somebody called the elect lady. We don't know who that was. Uh, we have a few guesses of who that might be or a church that it could have been. Or uh, in this one, he he just goes for it and he's using names. <laughs> and so we have three names of, of guys that we're gonna look at. One guy named Gaius, who's the letters written to, another guy named Diotrephes, which we're gonna look at, and then another guy named Demetrius that we're gonna look at. And uh, And guys, the whole kind of point of John's letter this morning is church drama. You guys ready for that this morning? You guys love church drama? <laughs> no. But I, I, as I read and just studied this, it was such a such a good reminder that uh, even as I, as a new pastor and, and just under the leadership of Terry, as I learned from Terry these last uh, two years and and talk to other mentors and everything in church, you know, it, there's a, always the consensus. You know, I remember talking to Luke Frechette and one of the first times I was kind of telling him that I was getting ready to take over as lead pastor. And, and really the only thing he said is like, the church gets messy. Uh, it's complicated. Uh, people are going to hurt you. And, and that's just what it is. And you got to just keep going. And we just got to keep going. And that kind of seems to, to be the consensus when you, you know, Terry would always remind us of that. You know, we're people and we mess up and the church isn't a perfect place. And, and often I think people come to church and, and think that, man, this, these people have their act together. Something really awesome going on here. And then something happens and they just go, what's going on here? I, I don't know what to do. And it's just a good reminder this morning that they've been dealing with church drama uh, all the way back in the New Testament. That's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to see a good example, a bad example, and then another good example. Uh, and represented in kind of these three guys that John name drops this morning. But uh, we can look at good examples and bad examples, but I think really what what we need to look at here is uh, just the importance of how John handles church drama, how we should handle church drama, how we should handle each other. We're gonna see the same kind of uh, message of walking in truth and love that we see played out in 1 John and 2 John. And so as we get into, I didn't even put points down. It's just 13 verses this morning. If you wanted to put a point down, you could just put the point number one. We're going to look at a guy named Gaius, who's uh, going to be our good example. 
And, uh, oh man, what's happening? Technology sometimes is the worst. Okay. And we're going to start um, mostly because it cut off my verse one, but it's to, to John the Elder, um, uh, to Gaius. Um, but verse two, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. And we're gonna break this down just kind of verse by verse this morning. Such a short, sweet text that I'm kind of able to, to do that and, and kind of just stop on, on a lot of these key verses here and just look into it. And, and so we're, we see here, um, again, John writing to a, a guy named Gaius. He's a leader in the church. All of these people, um, they're, they're leaders or they're, they have some sort of influence in the, the early church. And so we see Gaius and he says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. <clears throat> and I, this, verse is, uh, this verse is one that often gets used as the... Uh, the health and wealth prosperity teachers love to, to just go, well, see right here, this is what John's talking about, man. If you, uh, man, if you're just getting into it, John prays that you're going to have fine health and wealth, but I don't think we can, uh, I don't think that really adds up when you can just look back in different letters. And this is why context matters in the Bible, because you can look back and go, this was a very common greeting. This is just like one of us just going, hey, hope you're doing okay. This was so common back then uh, that I even found that people would abbreviate this like, a, like they would like a text message. Like they would write that out using just four Greek letters or something and people would understand what that meant at the beginning of a letter that I just hope that you're prosper in all things and in health. And so don't get, uh, don't get too caught up by that one, uh, that this is some sort of promise from John to say that like, God's just gonna completely take away any of our difficult things and just bless us with a bunch of, a pile of cash and, and everything we wish for <laughs> if we're, uh, if we're and, and God wants that for us, but, but God also uses uh our trials and tribulations and, and allows us to have those. So, so we can grow closer to him. And so, and, and so we can learn health and wealth aren't always, uh, health and wealth are always good things, but that's what we need to know about the beginning. But he does add his own little part to it, which is that just as your soul prospers, and John makes an analogy here between kind of somebody's physical health and spiritual health. And it must have been pretty evident to, to John and, and others that, uh, that Gaius was just a guy who was a, a spiritually healthy individual. I think that's the first kind of quality we can look at in Gaius was that Gaius was spiritually healthy based off of this first uh this first verse we're looking at, verse two, 
I think it's pretty fitting that he can, he makes this comparison between physical health and spiritual health because look what it takes to be physically healthy. Proper nutrition, exercise, hygiene, rest, and just finding a overall general healthy balance in life. Those are the things you need to be kind of physically healthy, right? Is our spiritual health all that different? We have to nourish ourselves with the word of God. Uh, we have to exercise spiritually. I like the First Timothy 4, 6 through 8 kind of talks about both of those things on a spiritual level. It says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be... Oh, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. But I reject, reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that is now and is and of and that of which is to come. It's pretty cool how physical and spiritual health kind of line up. We can kind of just take that picture that, that John gives us and says, I hope your spiritual, can you guys imagine some of these? Can you imagine if our spiritual health was uh, outward? Some of us would look pretty unhealthy uh, outwardly. Some of us would look uh, better than we, uh, we do now. But it's inward. It's something we can't see. But um, we also have to be careful uh, that we're practicing good hygiene. I just, uh, I really thought of, and I don't know why, I thought of the Willamette River. It's a pretty bad uh, rep in this town for uh, being just full of toxic sewage water. The first thing I moved to Albany, uh, somebody was like, don't swim in the Willamette River. Like, okay. But can you guys look at, again, that's a physical practice of, you know, hey, let's make sure we're not exposing ourselves to garbage uh, in the same way spiritually. We're not going to jump in a spiritual Willamette River and expose ourselves to garbage, right? We can expose ourselves to hazardous material uh, spiritually. That temptation, that sin that wants to bog us down and just pull us away. And so really like that, uh, really like this first comparison that he makes that just as your soul prospers. And, and so the first thing we see is Gaius was just a spiritually healthy individual. And when we're looking at examples of church drama and how to kind of avoid some of this church drama and who the church needs to be following, we as church people should be looking at Gaius and going, John's all in on this guy. He, we, need to, uh, we need to practice being spiritually healthy. Verses three and four, it says, for I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. 
I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk into the truth. <clears throat> I think we can see in verses three and four that not only was Gaius a man that was uh, practicing, that had good spiritual disciplines and habits, but he was also a guy uh, with a good testimony. We see that John rejoices when other people come to him and go, hey man, that guy Gaius, he's a rock star. I can see it. This guy's crushing it for Jesus right now. And then John just, again, he said this before, but he says, I've got no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. And what an awesome thing it is. I said it again, but I said it last week, but I'll say it again. It's just such a blessing to just see people get excited about serving the Lord, get excited about taking things that they're reading, taking things that they're learning, taking the word of God and putting it into practice and just seeing, you, you can see that, right? You can see when somebody's being spiritually disciplined, you can see it and go, man, that's, just, that's a guy that's just living his life for Jesus. And we can see here that Gaius had such a good testimony that got back to John. But when you're living a life according to the will of God, in obedience to God, when you're practicing righteousness, being guided by the Holy Spirit, walking in, in grace and in truth, turning away from sin, trying to live like Jesus lived, obviously falling short, but trying. People notice, people take notice to that. That's why it's so important that we're living lives that are obedient to God's will as Christians, man. It's not enough just to talk the talk. We gotta walk the walk, right? We gotta walk the walk. And so what, a, a, what is a testimony? It's just a personal story. It's your story of how Jesus came into your life and radically changed you. How Jesus saved you. How everything changed in your life when you discovered the, the Lord and, and what Jesus did on the cross for you. If we're, if we're not living we're not walking in the truth, walking in the love, like John reminds us. If we're still living that life that we lived before we were saved, if we're holding on to a root of bitterness or harshness, or we're being unloving to people, if we're being dishonest, if we uh, just don't glorify God with what we're doing in situations, our, our testimony is pretty worthless. It's not a good testimony. A good testimony like Gaius's is one that's rooted in truth and love of Jesus. That's displayed in our walk. It's a reflection of Jesus Christ. And so to be, to be a guy like Gaius, 
a guy that John says, look, look at this guy. This is the guy we need. These are the guys we need in our church. These are the leaders we need in our church. You got to practice righteousness. You got to be a spiritually healthy individual, but you also got to have a good testimony. Don't be doing things that are going to hurt your testimony. Don't be doing things that are going to just make people think that, well, why, why would I want to, uh, why would I want to be involved in, in what that's going on? That guy's a jerk. Like this guy's telling me about Jesus. I watched him cuss out of Applebee's waitress like 30 minutes ago. Like that don't, those two things don't add up. I don't know why I got so specific about Applebee's waitress, but that was weird. Um, but you guys know what I mean, man. It's, it's, uh, we got to have that good testimony. We got to be living lives that are going to be glorifying to God. Um, we're going to go into verse five now. It says, beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. For the brethren and for strangers. So not only was Gaius helping his, his church out, he was, says he was helping strangers out. Who have been born witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a matter worthy of God, you will do well because they went forth for his namesake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers of the truth. And so John's just commending Gaius right now on his hospitality. Not only for helping people of the church, but just helping strangers, people... We talked about this last week in a sense of, in Second John, John was kind of warning uh, the people in the letter, hey, make sure you're not letting uh, like false teachers into your house. It was often a practice back then that people would come into town and they'd need a place to stay and, and you'd host them. And so John's warning last week was be careful that you're not hosting these false teachers. But now John's commending Gaius for saying, hey, Thank you for opening up your house to, to the good teachers. That's what we need to be doing. You receive them. Obviously, again, a little bit different for our time as we don't uh, generally need to host people. We don't have pastors coming to our door uh, waiting for them like an Airbnb. Um, different time we live in, but the message is still the same, right? If you send them forward on their journey in a matter worthy of God, you will do well. I want to focus on this verse six. Because Gaius, Gaius supported the church. Gaius supported the community. <clears throat> and he did it in practical ways. Guys had a very practical ministry. I think sometimes we think that uh, we need some 
we need a bunch of like training or I don't know, some of us don't just, and I don't live a good enough life to be able to help in the ministry. I don't, you know, I don't have a lot to give to the church. I don't have a lot to, I don't have a lot of skills or talents to go be helpful in the church. But I, I like what verse six here says. Uh, well, and also I just, you know, practicality wise, there's so many things that we can do that are just practical needs for the church. It doesn't take anything to, to help out in, in some areas of the church. It doesn't require that you're writing big checks. It doesn't require huge time commitments. There's small things we can do to bless others, to bless the church, to bless our community that don't, that don't take a lot of effort. Um, but what it does take is, uh, is just knowing why we're doing this. Why do we serve? Again, verse six, if you send them forward on their journey in a matter worthy of God, you will do well. This should help us realize that when we serve, when we give of our time, our talent, uh, our finances, uh, et cetera, this is such a practical way that we can spread the gospel of Jesus Christ as a church. This should also serve as a reminder that whenever we're serving, that we're to do it well. If we're serving and we're not smiling as we do it, if we're not giving uh, as a joyful giver, if we're just doing things because somebody's got to do it, I don't know. Like, I guess I'll just do it. Nobody else is doing it. That's not, I feel like that's not doing it worthy of God. In a matter worthy of God. And worthy of God means we're going to do things in love. We're going to do things that shine the light of God on, onto it. And say, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this because I'm commanded by God to go and make disciples. And, and the way I'm going to do that is by loving people, by serving you. And so we see Gaius, the good example, spiritually healthy, had a good testimony and served God practically. And these are the people that God can use uh, and grow a healthy church with. The Gaiuses. Now we're going to get into Diotrephes. Uh, and he's our bad example. If you just want to write down the bad example. Um, verse nine, he says, I wrote to the church by Diotrephes who loves to have the preeminence among them does not receive us. And so we see right off the bat here that Diotrephes was, uh, was not receptive of John, not receptive of uh, receiving John's letter or whatever John had to say. I, important to note that Diotrephes was some sort of leader in the church. I don't know if he was an elder or a, uh, some sort of pastor or or just some sort of influence in the church, but but this dude got into some sort of leadership role here at the church. 
It says, those who are, who loves to have the preeminence among them. That's just a fancy way to say that man was putting himself first. That man was putting his needs, his wants over, over God's needs. Diotrephe, you know, one verse here, and you can tell John clearly dealing with a dude here who's full of pride. That sin of pride. And we see that pride just gets the best of him throughout this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's only two verses about diatrophies, and, and in two verses, we kind of find out a lot about his character and, and, and some of this just stuff that he does um, is pretty crazy. This pride put him in a place where he rejected John. And it sounds like this guy was trying to run the church like some sort of uh, dictatorship. Sounds like he didn't want opinions from others. Uh, sounds like he really tried to uh, view John as an outsider and say, hey, we don't need those apostles. Don't listen to them. Listen to me. I'm here. I'm in charge. <clears throat> Verse 10, it just kind of stacks onto what we just read that he's going to lie and he disciplines those who disagree with him. It says, therefore, if I come, I will call to the mind of his deeds. I will call to the mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words and not content with that. He himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to put or wish to, putting them out of the church. Prating is just a word that means uh, that he was spreading false and empty doctrine about John. Using malicious words against a brother. This guy rejecting John, spreading lies about John, uh, says he rejected uh, did not receive the brethren. I'm assuming John's talking about maybe other apostles that have reached out to him or heard swung by. Uh, this dude had a reputation for just rejecting people who would come to teach the word of God, to help this church. And then you see right at the end there, it says, and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. So it says anybody who received these people, John or any of these other uh, teachers, that he disciplined them and say, well, you, you're not welcome here. You're not welcome to, at this church anymore if you don't agree with exactly what I say. Yikes. It's that pride though. It's that pride of sin that just gets in our way. He was clearly on, on some sort of power trip here and clearly affecting his ability to, to, to lead. This was not, these are not qualities of a good leader. But I want to focus, we can focus all day on, on diatrophies and, and these two verses that really go into, uh, I mean, again, just lot, diatrophies, lying, rejecting a brother, um, spreading gossip, all sorts of things, man. 
and we could talk all day about those things, but I just, I want to focus this morning on just uh, John's reaction to Diotrephes. Because I think it'd be really easy for any, any of us, if, if Diotrephes was spreading this stuff about you, talking to you the way he was talking to John, uh, what's our reaction? What's our reaction as humans to, to, to just go, that's not right. I won't have this. And, um, I wish we knew more about what happened to Diotrephes after this. Because this is kind of all we get, right? But John's reaction wasn't, hey, I, I'll be there soon, but you need to remove Diotrephes and, uh, and, and chain him up or, or eliminate him. Uh, take him to the train station. I don't know. Um, nothing like that, man. It was, uh, let's look back. It says, uh, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does. And so John isn't even saying, hey, man, this dude's spreading false doctrine. This dude's toxic. Remove him. And maybe he does once he gets there. We don't really know. John's not saying, hey, this isn't something I'm going to sweep under the rug either, right? He's saying, I'm going to address this when I get there. Me and Diotrephes are going to have a talk. This is important. And it's important that when things do come up in a church, this is our example this morning. The bad example is what we can learn on, right? We can take these people in the Bible that failed and, and learn from it. And the lesson we can learn from Diotrephes this morning is, uh, is how to deal with somebody who's a Diotrephes in our church, who's coming to spread gossip, who's coming to spread lies, who's not acting cool. This dude was in a place of leadership. He doesn't have to be in a place of leadership, though, to spread lies and, and everything, you know. I think it especially makes it that much worse, though, that he was in leadership. And, and people in leadership need to be called out for their actions. So John says, this is important. Don't get me wrong, we're going to have a talk, but I like that John's following what Jesus tells us to do in the Bible when, when we've got issues with our brother and sister in Christ. This is more, uh, Matthew 18, 50, and says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained a brother. It goes on to say, if he doesn't hear you, bring a witness. Uh, there's a whole rule book on how to handle church drama, and it works if we can follow it. But I like how John appears to be showing this man at least a little bit of grace and saying, I'm going to give this man his day to, so, so me and him can sit down and talk about this before I'm just going to hang him out to dry and tell Gaius to go deal with him. I'll be there soon enough to, to deal with the atrophies. You just need to know what, what he's done and what I'm accusing him of. And, and again, as a leader, I think that Gaius had every right to know that as another leader. <clears throat> Verse 
verse 11, it says, beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil is not, has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness. And you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and, pa- with pen and ink, but I hope to see you shortly. And we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. And so right at the end of his letter here, John brings up a third guy. His name's Demetrius. It doesn't say a lot about Demetrius either, but what it does say is uh, Demetrius, uh, Demetrius is a guy that can be trusted. Demetrius is a faithful brother. A lot of people think that Demetrius was simply just the guy who delivered these letters. This was the guy who delivered this letter to Gaius. And maybe this was just John's way of saying, hey, this guy, Demetrius, you can trust him. You can receive him into your house and not, and not feel worried that he's a false teacher or giving you a false message. Um, but that's just, we, have, we can just lead off with one more good example. And this is John's way of just saying, hey, don't imitate the evil. There's good, there's good ones out there. Do what is good. I like that he says he's truthful. That's really what we get here. Has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. So it says Demetrius has a good testimony. And a good testimony is one that's truthful and bears witness to to God and who Jesus is. I'll have the worship team come back up now. Um, But just as as we close here this morning, I think we can look at this short letter and just... Just be reminded that church drama exists. We're all going to run into diatrophies in in our church. We're all going to run into, we're going to, most of us in this room are going to be the bad example at some point in time because we're flawed humans who screw up. I, I didn't write it down, but I read a quote as I studied, I've heard it for a while now, but it says, if you find a perfect church, if you claim to find that perfect church, you better run far away from that church because you're the thing that's going to make it not perfect. How true is that this morning? But I think as we close, we just need to remind ourselves that it's so easy nowadays. It's so easy nowadays, 21st century, as we live stream, uh, I can live stream the blessing and the curse. This makes it so easy. Our automobiles that can get up and, and go anywhere in town and in a minute, man. It used to not be like that, you know. You had a church and, and you stayed there. Our 21st century culture is taking us to a place where we can just we disagree with somebody in church. 
we don't go to them face to face. We don't deal with it head on. We take it and we just go, well, I'll just move on to the next church. I'll just replant somewhere else. I just want to encourage you guys. If you have an issue with somebody in the church, let's, let's, let's take the Bible as our example. Let's take things and address them. We're not going to bury these things. It's not going to do us any good to bury these things, uh, to fester on these things. It's not going to do us any good to be offended uh, because you're probably going to be the one to offend somebody else. We're all going to have uh, moments in our life that we're acting more like Gaius. And in our moments of weakness, we're all going to act, uh, have our moments where we're acting a little bit like diatrophies. And I think just the key here to remember is, uh, again, the truth matters, but let's also just err on the side of grace and just remember the grace that Jesus Christ give us to forgive us, to continue to forgive us, the love that Jesus commanded us to give, but also showed us by example. If we can just be a church family that can just dwell on the truth and love of Jesus and that message, we'll, we'll, we'll do things. And it's still going to be messy because we're human beings. We're people. Church is a hospital, not a social club. And so it's fine. Take, you know. Somebody's going to offend you. It's going to happen. If it hasn't happened already, somebody's going to offend you in this church. You're going to be offensive to somebody in this church if you stay here long enough. And I just want to encourage you this morning to, I, I'm just telling you, that's fine. It's okay. It's how we handle that though. And say, let's humble ourselves. Let's get to a place where I, I, you can say, hey, you hurt me and we need to sit down together and, and, and work this out. When two Christians that love each other and are focused on the truth get together, man, they can often get through problems. I've seen it firsthand. <clears throat> but let's not just turn away and run from our issues. If you do that, you're just going to end up in another church doing the same thing down the road. We're a church family, right? Just like our family at home, man. It's not perfect. We fight with each other at home. We get into it with each other. just like our church family here, man, we're brothers and sisters and, and we're not Jesus, but let's just show each other a little bit of grace. Don't dwell on these things. Get them out in the open. But let's just know church drama is going to happen, church. It doesn't go away. So um, let's just do the best we can to be Gaius's in this situation. And let's find the diatrophies and, and, and let's hold the diatrophies accountable. But let's also sit down and talk with them, have dialogue.